Radio Bypass is joined by a special guest, John Nyman from Y&P. Thanks for spending some time with us today, John. Right on, no problem. Um, I thought we could start things off by talking a little bit about you and, and your background a little bit, if that's okay. Sure. All right. Um, and I guess actually, I guess my first question maybe does tie into Y&P a little bit. You've been in Y&P since 2003, you know, full time, permanent. But about 19 years before that, if I understand correctly, you toured with the band during the In Rock, In Rock We Trust tour? Uh, yeah, that's when I came in as a background singer and slash keyboard player once in a while if they needed it, you know, kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I uh, I was in a band before that, and I used to hang around with Y&T ever since before they were Y&T, or yesterday and today, we went to high school together, and we're friends, and I saw the band become the band, and I started a band and used to open up shows to them, you know, with my band, and we were just all, you know, we're just young and having a good time, rocking and rolling, and, you know, they got a record deal with London, and yesterday and today was born, and first album came out in 76, and my band eventually got a record deal, and we got an album out by... 83 called uh, Eric Martin Ben Sucker for a Pretty Face. Oh, right, right. I, I actually had, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I just uh, thought I'd give you a quick little rundown. That's how it, yeah. it all kind of happened. And then um, we broke up right after that album came out. The record company dropped us. It was just it felt a long story. But um, I went to see Y&T three weeks after we broke up. And they, Dave uh, Manichetti asked me if I'd like to join up and go on the road with them for the In Rock We Trust tour to sing. And they they just needed some help with background vocals mainly. And I said, heck, yeah, I got a job. Let's go. <laughs> and right. hanging out with my buddies. And uh, I stayed with them for four years, uh, touring all over the U.S. and Japan, and uh, had just a great time. It was a wonderful time in my life, too. Did you, did you say four years? Yeah. It was, uh, I stayed with them till. I guess it was 89, five years. Um, right around that time, 89, I, uh, it was kind of, things were kind of slowing down, you know, with the industry, music, and 
you know, that style of music with the onset of the 90s and the grunge thing coming in. So YMT was kind of slowing down. I don't think they had a record deal at the time with Geffen anymore. And I just, uh, I I wanted to play guitar. You know, I hadn't, I, w- I wanted to be in a band and I got invited to be in the Greg Kin band. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Another guy. A little bit. I, I, I've heard a few songs. Yeah. So, I joined up with him, and I just kind of YMT didn't really need me at that point anymore. It was it, it was no big deal, you know. I just left and uh, started playing with Greg Ken for a while, and then um, YMT ended up breaking up in the '90s. And when right. they reformed in 2003, they wanted to get all original members with Joey Alves, Leonard Hayes, Phil Kenmore, and Joey Alves didn't want to do it or just couldn't do it physically. He didn't want to go on tour and um, so I got the job. Interesting. I was wondering how that came to be exactly. That's interesting. I didn't realize you were um, previously, you know, before 2003, I didn't realize you had played with Y&T in that background role for as long as you did. I thought it was just the one tour. Yeah, it was uh, many tours and I sang on in Rock We Trust, and I'm sorry, um, Down for the Count album. You know, I sang in background vocals on the record on Summertime Girls, and and well, all of that whole album I sang background vocals in the studio with them. Oh, and very cool. uh, I co-wrote a song that was in a movie with the band uh, that was a movie called Out of Bounds with Michael Anthony Hall. It wasn't very well received, but I wrote a song called Wild If I Wanna that's in that movie. Mm-hmm. stuff with him, you know, that was cool and had a great time, you know, hanging out around the band all those years. Great. Right. In the 80s, you know, it was just awesome. <laughs> it was just touring. We toured with everybody, Aerosmith, Motley Crue, Hart, Rush, uh, Twisted Sister, Dawkins, Lita Ford, just on and on and on. Just so much fun back then. I bet. I bet. It's fun now. I'm not saying that. I love playing guitar and YT. That's that's great. Oh, I, I get it. Yeah, it's fun back. It was just you know that that era. Yeah, the the, the scene, everything was all about that style of music for for several years. I get it. Yeah, there's still diehards like me and many others that still love it, but it's not quite what it was during that time frame. I understand. But yeah, that's pretty cool. So really, it's almost like you are an original YT member. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's you know, it's funny. I saw when uh, I've told the story before, but it's just when I first saw one or first Leonard Hayes was the guy I've known the longest. He's the original drummer and, the, and the, I'd say the founding member because uh, I knew him since he was 12 years old and I was mm-hmm. 11. So he was in a little band. And anyway, by the time he turned 16, no, I guess he was probably 17. I was 15 and he brought Dave to the, our high school to jam after school one day. Oh, wow. And it was just Leonard and Dave and a bass player, and they were playing Make Me Smile by Chicago. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was just going, man, Dave and Kenny, listen to him sing, listen to him play guitar. I was just, like, you know, really impressed and went sure. up to him and uh, talked to him afterwards. And he says, oh, I remember you. You had a paper out. I remember seeing you down at Folding Papers. You know, back, when, back in those days, you'd go, Fold your newspaper at a paper shack, you know. And then, I remember. <laughs> so 
he goes, I remember you. And then we struck up a friendship and found out he lived three blocks away from me. Leonard lived about two blocks away from me. And I used to go hang out over his house and listen to records before yesterday the band even started. You know, this is just hanging out. And then Leonard and him kept on going. And then they got Phil Cannamore on bass eventually. And then Joey was the last one to join um, after they played a, a battle of the bands, actually. And Joey's other band was called Crutch. And what, yesterday and today came in first place, and Crutch came in second place. And they saw Joey and said, hey, man, how would you like to join up with us right after that battle of the bands? And then that was the start of, you know, those four, the yesterday and today thing going on. They were they were called yesterday and today at that point. Yeah, Joey, I, I have Joey, those albums. They wanted to go more rock at that point. And if, if you're not, it's kind of hard to believe, but yesterday and the day before Joey was in the band, had a keyboard player and a sax player. <laughs> I, you know what? I did not know that. This is something yeah. new for me. I know. And, and those, it was an era before they were writing songs. They were just playing, they were, you know, playing copy songs and going out and just doing gigs just to, to hone the band in. And, you know, they were, fans of Humble Pie and Grand Funk and Led Zeppelin and The Who, and they were like, man, we want to do that kind of stuff. And so they just basically got Joey in the band, the keyboard playing and sax player said, we don't want to play that kind of music, and left, and that was the start of the whole thing. They just wanted to write their own songs and carve their own path, and that's what, that's what happened, 1974 or 5, right around there. Right. And so yeah. they got a record deal for pretty quick. I mean... After they they were just on fire, <laughs> they were writing those songs, you know, like and uh, they got a, played some opened up some a show to Queen, and um, on the Bohemian Rhapsody tour, and the London Records was in the audience there that night. I don't know, and that's they got signed that night, opening up to Queen in Berkeley, California. Wow, I, I didn't know how it came to be. That's wow, that's really wild. And yeah. the first record came out in 76, if I remember right. Yeah, Seven, yeah 76. Wow. So they got signed and got the record out pretty quick yeah. then. I was at that show when I was there to see Queen and my buddies yesterday and today play, and it was awesome. I mean, it was only like 2,500 people in the audience. And Queen was doing Bohemian Rhapsody tour. It's <laughs> amazing. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty neat. So... Opening for Queen got them the record deal. I never, I never knew that before. Yeah, and they only did two albums for London, right? And then they switched over to A and M. Correct. Yeah. 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 That's what I thought. Oh wow, that wow, that's really some interesting backstory right there. I like it. A good YNT historian. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's what Dave says. He goes, John, you should just do the interviews because you know everything, too. You've been there since the beginning and know all the backstories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. All right. And then, Eric Martin, we talked a little bit about um, – so I was going to ask you, as I thought you were, because that Sucker for a Pretty Face album, I had it at one point, but I must have lent it to somebody – way back toward the time that it came out. So I did not remember all the credits on that record, but I believe, um, you know, obviously yourself and Eric, and then um, Troy Lucetta from Tesla was on that record too, right? Yeah, yes, she was. 
Yeah, I thought so. I, I just wasn't a hundred percent if, if you know I was going to ask you if you played on the record because I couldn't remember for certain, but I thought so. Um, and then somewhere between Eric Martin and the YMT um, full time gig, I guess I would say um, you had, you were in another band with Troy Lucetta for a little bit too, right? Well, like when Tesla was down for a little while. Well, I did. We went on tour with Eric Martin again uh, to Japan, and uh, I mean that was a short stint. Just we went three weeks with to to play for uh, Eric to put out a solo album while Mr. Big was taking a break. This was around '97. Okay. So we played together and toured together in Japan, but then when we got back, Troy went back to Tesla and you know he didn't stay with us but I, I continued to play with Eric for what well, seemed like almost two years you know just playing around California doing clubs and stuff while Mr. Big was all off taking a break and making solo albums each each individual guy right and, they, and then they eventually got back, back together around 2000 late 99 or something like that then right and gone but I did another project with Troy with a band called Big Blue Frog which was very short-lived. I don't mm-hmm. probably have even heard of that, but it was pretty cool. I um, think that's the band I was thinking of, except I yeah. thought that was kind of between Eric Martin and Y&T. Um, was... Well, no, I mean, I joined y I mean, I, well, I mean, as far as I got in Y&T as a background singer right away when, y- when right. Eric Martin then broke up. But, um, yeah, the thing we did... It was in the 90s with Big Blue Frog thing. Oh, that was the 90s, okay. Or early 2000s even. It's hard to remember for sure. But yeah, I'm pretty sure because I think after the Eric Martin thing, we found some, we hooked up with this other guy and uh, Troy asked if I wanted to, you know, do this band thing. And we did and played a show and we were going to try to to get something going, but it just didn't work out. Kevin Carlson, who was playing guitar, um, who was in Aldo Nova back in the day, back in the 80s. And uh, he was in it, too. That's the only other guy I could think that you might know something about. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, yes. But, yeah, I just, my timeline was off. That was one of the reasons when we were going to, when I knew we were going to talk today. That's one of the reasons I wanted to ask you about that, because I wasn't quite sure the chronology there yeah okay well that's that's pretty cool and then eric martin then if you were in that band he must have been a uh kind of from the neighborhood too where the rest were you guys all met yeah yes all of us yeah. were in hayward you know california where ynt was and troy and my band mile high which eventually became the eric martin band after eric joined up in 1970 eight about there and uh we worked that band for six years and to before we you know finally got the record deal and put out suck for a free case in 83 so it was a long time we played a lot of shows together we lived together we had a band house we always lived together (laughs) wow (laughs) sounds like fun times for sure (laughs) oh my god those times were yeah i've been very lucky i've had some good times and and (laughs) <laughs> rock and roll living up there um, I lived with Greg Raleigh from Journey 
for a while too. I mean, that's how oh my the, gosh, uh, that's how the band house came to happen. We were Greg Raleigh when he left Journey. Um, his first project was to produce us. We were called Four One Five. That was the name of the band at the time. The right after band. the area code, right? After the area code, yeah. And Herbie yeah. Herbert, Journey's manager, was handling us, and so Greg Raleigh, we were going to his house and working in his home studio and practice. I mean, it was big enough for the whole band to set up in there and we were practicing and um, driving back to Hayward every day. And one night after practice, he says, John, why don't you just stay here? You don't need to drive home, you know? And I was like, Oh, okay. You know? And then next thing I know, he goes, you want to just move in here? <laughs> I said, uh, okay. So we're, uh, and him and his wife, you know, live and uh, he just said, it'd be really nice because, you know, a lot of times you take off on vacation, you can just watch the house. I'm like, sure, <laughs> no problem. So I, that was a, our, my first introduction into, you know, living with a rock star. I mean, the guy right. had Rolls Royce, I was driving his Rolls Royce down to 7-Eleven picking up beer for us. And I was just, <laughs> I was just tripping. And then the guys in the band were like, what the fuck? I mean, you know, and then so, was shortly after that, I don't know if he got it or helped us get a, a house up near where he lived so we mm-hmm. could be close to working with him. So then we got a band house and lived about a mile from Greg Raleigh. <laughs> and then we, uh, he would pick us up in his Rolls Royce and drive us down to Fantasy Recording Studios in Berkeley where we were working on our, to be our first album, which never right. came out because we just, ended up writing more material and just put that just ended up in the can and still is. I've been after Eric about releasing it because it was some good stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So we had a whole album before we even released the sucker for a pretty face. I'm crazy. Oh, wow. but it's just I never, never knew that either. No, it's just sitting in the can. I have it. We have all the tracks and we have everything, but it's just sitting right now. We just, we're just so, I'm so busy. I mean, with Lion T and then, getting married, buying a house, and then doing a solo album. and It's just having a time to even, you know, and then Troy and Tesla and Eric and Mr. Big. The last thing that we're thinking about is releasing some, working on this project, you know, to get this other record out of old pop songs from yesteryear that maybe no one would even care about. But it's just something well, that's there. Yeah, I mean, maybe nobody would, but then again, maybe a lot of people would. I know I would. I'd love to hear that, you know, Um, a geek like me, for sure. Well, you you mentioned um, working on solo records. Maybe we'll uh, we'll, we'll delve back into Y&T, but when you mentioned the solo records, um, I know you released, I don't know, I think it was in November, or yeah, I think November, you released an EP that you called Happy, and that had three songs on it. Um, Yeah. And it's, now, is there a full album on its way too, or is that is that it? No, there is a full album in the works. It's just that I wanted to get this. Um, I wanted to release something at Christmas, is what it was, and just mm-hmm. to kind of do a here's a sampler of three songs, and then I want I just I'm going to donate the money to Toys for Tots. I saw that, which I thought was really cool. That was just the idea. I thought, let me release this thing at Christmas time. Of course, it didn't come out quite at Christmas because, it, you know, the, once we got the guys got in the studio with it, they started going, hey, you know, we could 
do this and we could put a horn section on and we could put real strings in and I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Now it's getting pushed back and pushed back. And anyway, long story short, it's supposed to, it is, it was a Christmas release that just came a little late, but it's the rest of the album with those three songs included will be out by summer this year. Got it. And that's you um, singing and guitar both on that one, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a full soul. I'm singing, wrote the songs, um, play guitar. But I have a lot of, you know, Troy Lucetta from Tesla is playing drums on it and producing it. And I have guests on there. I have Frank Hannon from Tesla playing some slide guitar. Another friend of mine who plays in a band called DAD from Copenhagen playing guitar on one song. Just all my friends that I wanted and, you know, on there. I got some good good people um, playing on there. It's pretty cool. It's fun. Yeah. Well, I know... um, I listen to all three songs, and I, I do find myself going back many times already to the song Made. I think out of the three so far, that's my favorite. I always have an early favorite, and then, you know, I go back and, oh, now this is my favorite. But right now, that song Made, I think, is really good. Yeah, I always thought that when we were recording it, uh, me and the, the bass player, uh, Eric Westfall, who actually uh, co-wrote on that song, and... um he, you know, the three, him and Troy and I are basically did the whole record. I mean, we recorded all the basic tracks and been working it from the, the beginning. And then I just brought in some other musicians to play on it. But all the way through, I always go, made, that's the tune. I mean, that I think that it just has a good feel to it. And it's very uh, pop, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like Eric Martin Band was in the old days. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I compare it a little bit to what I heard from from that uh, sucker for a pretty face record. But I just think it's a really strong song. All three of them are great, but that one in particular just really stood out to me. So that's pretty cool. So that record will be out then sometime in 2019. We think, huh? Yeah, it's it's done. It's just being mixed, and so I'm out here on the road. And once I get home. Um, We'll probably get back to that and get it finished up. So it, but it's all that everything's done on it, pretty much. It just needs to be mixed, so it won't take too long. No, that's awesome. I can't wait to hear all of it. I look yeah, forward so to that release. It's all different. Every song's got a different kind of vibe to it. So. As you probably I like records like that. You heard, <laughs> right? I mean, even though it's me singing, I mean, I'd say those three happy with the horns. You know, it's just compared to made, and then pray is total, you know, down, you know, gospel, and just different, you know. And the strings Mm -hmm. on there, it's just it sounds like a movie soundtrack to me or something. Yeah, I I could see that. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Well, that's good. Yes, I did want to talk about that because I really do like that, and I thought it was cool that you were donating to Toys for Tots because. That's something I participate in, not every year, but I do do the motorcycle ride that we have in Chicago for that oh, good. Um, every so often. So it was kind of nice when I saw that's what you were doing with it. Yeah. And then talking about being on the road, um, you're out on the East Coast right now. Um, yeah. I know you're going to another show tomorrow night. Um, and it looked like your schedule's pretty full till at least May. Um, it looks like you don't have a ton of time off even after, even then, it looked like. So um, it seems like I'll be a while before you'll get a chance to do the mix on this happy record. 
yeah, yeah. Well, I have, you know, I don't need to be there while they're mixing it. I mean, they did those three songs without me there. They just sent me oh, the track. Okay. That's the beauty of, you know, this time. <laughs> it's just that you know, they email me the tracks, I listen to them, and I tell them what I think and send it back. So it's uh, it works good that way. I don't actually have to be in there. Got it. Got they, it. Know, they know what they're doing. I mean, Troy, Lucetta, and the engineer that Bo Maxwell, who's doing this, are doing a fantastic job. And usually they just send me, once I hear it, I just go, it's better than I thought it was going to turn out. You know, that kind of thing. So they're right. really doing a good job. Can't believe Troy's got time for that too with everything he's got going. I interviewed oh, yeah, him yeah. a few weeks back and you know, Tesla's schedule's pretty full and he's trying to get his Troy shows up uh thing going and yeah. Can't believe he's got time either. <laughs> he don't have time. I don't know how he does it. You know, I just I I just said, Hey Troy, come on, let's just get this done and he goes, Oh, you know what? I have some time <laughs> So that's how it happened and they went in and did those three songs. And then I said, okay, let, let's just, let me release these three songs and so just get it going so people can hear it and can talk about it. And then we can kind of hear what we're doing. You know, give right. it some time and make sure we're on the right track. And we could still remix the three songs that we released. You know, that's the good thing and to put it on the next record. If there's anything we didn't like about the EP, we sure. could still uh, change it on the final one. So that's, that's, sometimes you don't have that option you know you put you mix something and you put it out and you go oh man should have could have would have mm-hmm. so that kind of gives us that option to make sure that what we're doing is sounding right and of course Troy's already said he doesn't he didn't feel the drums were right on made <laughs> and I kind of agreed they could have been a little bigger sounding but it's okay mm-hmm. you know that's why so the CP will be a special edition <laughs> right this, this one thing it might be a different mixes and a different cover for sure. So nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I like stuff like that. I like the little special editions or things, you know, once they're, once they're all gone, I'm not going to make any more up. So it'll be. When you get, when you get to the point of putting the full thing on it, will you release it in a physical form or just digitally? Oh no, I'm putting it on vinyl and uh, CD. And okay. of course, it'll be on iTunes and all that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because I f- I found the I- the EP on iTunes is how I came across it. So I wasn't sure. Did that come out in a physical form? Yeah, we sell them at the shows at the YT shows, and you can purchase it on CD Baby or Amazon or you know yeah, any of these it. formats. But it's just, you know if you buy it at the show, it's five bucks. You know at the YT shows. But if you go to Amazon, they charge you like ten. Oh, really? There's more on Amazon. I know it's kind of it's. They just put a set price on it, no matter how many songs are on it. So that's not really cool. But I have no control over that. Oh no, I know. But I'm glad you know you got them out on the road with you, because then I'm going to pick up the physical copy when I come see you next week. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's fantastic. All right. So another thing, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I did want to ask you, um, while, we're t- while we're talking about recording, with Y&T, uh, there's been one studio album, I think, since you've been in the band, Face Melter, and, which is a great album. I think it does the Y&T catalog proud. Um, and, but I was wondering, you know, you wrote the song Wild Child, 
And I was wondering, is that a song that you had for a while, or was it written specifically for Face Melter? I actually had that song in my, you know, mind. You know, a song I would play and jam on once in a while, uh, along with many other songs. And I, when we were working on Face Melter, I, uh, I thought this song, I think this would be a good YMT song, you know. And mm-hmm. so I brought it up. Uh, I got together with Phil Cannamore, who lived close to me uh, at that time, and uh, went over his house. And we were just starting to show each other ideas and tunes. And I started to play that and sing it for him. And he goes, oh, we're definitely doing that one. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay, good. <laughs> so we uh, we went when we got in the studio with uh, at Dave's house to start recording or start to work on the face melter songs. That was the very first song that we worked or we heard or we did in, in the rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, Dave, you know, Phil just said, Hey John, play that for Dave. Let's, let's I want to hear the song. And I started to play it and uh, sing it and, and we jammed it and he goes, man, this is great. He goes, good job, John. This is a great start. So it was actually the very first song of Face Melter uh, uh, session that we that we started with, which was kind of cool because I'm like, great, I, the, the band likes one of my songs right off the bat. So that's yeah, a good start. Crazy. This I know this is crazy, but Dave even wanted me to sing it at first. <clears throat> he wanted he and I said, no way. <laughs> There's no way. He goes. He goes. I think it's you should because it's cool. I said, yeah, but you know what? Y&T hasn't put an album out in 13 years. The last thing a Y&T fan wants to hear is the new guy singing a song on the album. <laughs> I go, I, go I, and I knew the song ain't going to get near the mileage unless Dave was singing it. So then he said to me, well, well I want you to play the lead solo on it. Then. You should, it's your song. You should play the guitar solo. I said, nope. I go, you're going to play the guitar solo because, again, it'll get much more mileage if it sounds more like Dave Menachetti, which it does, I think. Dave's guitar it does. Song, it is awesome. What he plays sure. on that and the way he sings it. So um, that was cool. But I, I then uh, it was uh, I Want Your Money was a song that Phil had, had written. Well, Dave and Phil wrote, but um, Phil had, was working on all, all the lyrics. And he, I remember him coming in. He goes, I want John, John, you to play the guitar solo on this song because it fits your style of playing. Phil had a lot to do with Face Melter. I mean, he that was he wrote most of it. He would had a hand in every part of it, even designing the cover. And he right. was really adamant about the way it was going to be done. I mean, he said that we're absolutely going to start it off with on with the show and do that narration in the beginning with the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And we were all, at first we were like, the rest of us were going, well, I'm not sure that that's the right thing we want to do that song maybe we should have like shine on be the first track or you know something else and he was slammed his fist on the on the table and said no this is the way it's going to happen and we're like okay phil whatever you say he had a vision it sounds like but but now it all makes sense that album the way it starts and the way it flows and i just love he was right you know he just he really had a vision on how that whole record should be laid out and um Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean Dave too. I'm not saying, of course, Dave Manichetti has <laughs> is all over the record, you know, with the songwriting and playing and singing and stuff. But just so, just so people know that Phil was a really big part of that, that record. Yeah. 
And, you know, I was going to ask you, too, you know, speaking of Phil, um, you also, you yourself also co-wrote Don't Bring Me Down with Dave and Phil. And I was wondering, you know, now, of course, I know your history more, but before I was wondering, was it intimidating to write with two guys that had worked so long together before you joined the band? But now that I know your history with them, I suppose it probably wasn't intimidating. You were already friends long before you came in. Yeah. No, I've never felt, I've always felt part of Y&T because I was with them when you're touring with the band year after year after year, you know, we just, yeah, it was, you know, I felt right at home, you know. I'm sure. No yeah. Yeah, like I, yeah. I didn't realize the extent of how far back you went with them. So as when I first bought the record, which this CD too, Face Melter, I think I per- purchased that at a Y&T show too, actually. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't know you, you had such an extensive background with them. So, I was thinking, oh, he's, you know, first record with you on it, and now you're co-writing with, you know, two of the guys that have been there from day one. But now I realize you've sort of been there from day one, too, just about. So, yeah. So that was, you know, it was a, an easy one. You know, we just jammed it all together. I had, uh, I brought that song in, and we jammed on it, and Dave added a part to it or two. And then I had lyrics for it. I had a different, whole different set of lyrics. And we were just getting ready to sing it. And Phil goes, I got another idea. I, I, I wrote, rewrote the word, or he had a couple of lyrics of mine or something. And then he took those and then he completely wrote it about a whole different subject matter, which turned out to be awesome what he did. But at first, when now I have to, I have, I have to ask the opening. And that song, Cyber Troll, with the caps lock, cap locks on, such yeah. a drag, hating all day long. Was that not the original uh, song, lyrically? Because I love that that opening, those opening lines I thought oh, were yeah. great. No, I, what I mean is that I I had a song, and I don't even remember what it was called now, because it wasn't until Bring Me Down, but it was a, it was a different subject matter altogether, and different melody, different everything. And, okay. But same, same music. I mean, the same exact same music. But I had I had a vision of what it would be sung like. And Dave, you know, I showed it to Dave, and Dave's like, "Okay, cool," you know. And then Bill came in with this whole other idea of this, with what was "Don't Bring Me Down." And the first time I heard it, you know, when you're used to thinking of a song a certain way, and then I hear Dave singing this completely different song. I mean, mm-hmm. different melody, different lyrics. I was like. At first, I was, like, thrown off, and I go, oh, man, this is kind of harsh, these words. And I was like, you know, uh, the whole subject matter of it. At first, I was kind of, like, because my song wasn't anything like that. It wasn't, you know, talking down to someone who's a dick on the Internet. (laughs) (laughs) But at the end of the day, what a great song and great idea to make a song about that because – you know, we've experienced that in Y&T, not too much because we're a fan-friendly band and everybody, you know, likes us, you know. But every right. once in a while, you get some crazy guy in there starts writing a bunch of stuff about you. And you're like, what? You don't even know us, you know, <laughs> to make think of Well, them. exactly. You know, and that's everybody. why I love the song. I thought it's timely yeah. because, you know, all this anonymity behind the keyboard and all that. It drives me crazy, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, I'm, 
like you, I mean, it's been nothing personal against me, but I see some things that people write sometimes, and I'm like, oh, man, that's just not cool in my book, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought that was a, a great grace. I mean, I love the whole record, but but I, I yeah. like those lyrics. And, that and then, that was, go ahead. Uh, on that song was, I'm, I love The Who. I mean, The Who's like my all-time favorite band, and, and so there's a part I in the middle that purposely was meant to kind of sound like the who, you know, um, I'm doing this thing on guitar and, and, uh, and Mike's playing the drum part, kind of like a keep mood just a little bit. And Phil's doing the bass part, just, just slightly in resemblance to the who. And, um, there's a part, you know, in that part of the, the mid part of that song where Dave goes, who the fuck are you? I don't know if you know that part from the who. Well, I remember, I remember the line, um, some about what did somebody do to give you such a fucked up attitude or something like that. Yeah, I remember that. But there's another line in there then. Well, there's a bridge part that sounds like who-ish in in the style of the music at that point, and um, which is no big deal. But Phil said he goes right here, Dave. You should go, you know, who the fuck are you? And, you know, just like in, in Who Are You by, you know, Doucher does. Right. And he goes, no way. He goes, there's no way that we're going to do anything that's going to resemble another band or steal from them. And he goes, no, 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 but it's not about that. It's because John's a big Who fan and you should do it because it's cool. <laughs> and this is the conversation that Dave's like, he's sitting on the couch, right, and, in the studio, and we have the microphone right there in the, in the recording studio. Uh-huh. And so Dave just jumps up, hits the keyboard to to play, to record, and he goes, does that, who the fuck are you that's on the record? One take, just like, okay, look, what do you mean, like that? He sits back down and, and feels like, yes, exactly, just like that. That was perfect. <laughs> and so that's what's on the record. But that was the conversation that led up to it. Dave did not want to do, he goes, Y&T doesn't copy other bands. They don't need to. We are who we are. And he goes, come on, you got to do it for John. He loves the Who. <laughs> yeah, it's just paying homage, no, you know. <laughs> yeah. but, and nobody, and then he was, he thought maybe someone might, you know, a critic might say anything, but I, I think there was only one guy in England that mentioned something like, that kind of sounds like the Who right there, you know, but it's no big deal, you know. You're going to yeah, copy anybody, copy the greats, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, that's so cool. Now I, I haven't listened to Face Melter in a while. I'm going to have to listen to it again now. I I, I got to remember that because I, I remember yeah. the beginning part because those lyrics really resonated with me in the very beginning. I love the way it opened up. <clears throat> so those are ingrained in my brain, but now I'm going to have to pay attention to the other part. And the, the other part on that song that I thought for sure was going to get cut out of that was I have this I started the song on acoustic guitar because I wrote it on a, on an acoustic guitar when I was playing it and so I had this little beginning part that goes right the, right after um, oh I can't think of the name of the song uh, um, is it I'm coming home by any chance no, on the, no on, the, on the record the song that comes right before Don't Bring Me Down is um, gonna go oh, blind, I think. Gonna go blind. Okay, so yeah. gonna go blind ends. You hear this acoustic guitar bang, come in, and I do this little bluesy, like swampy sounding little thing on the guitar. I, yeah, and then I it goes in. Okay, so I I remember I 
kept saying, hey, Dave, I got this other thing. I got this other part that goes right before the song starts. And so he said, okay, well, we'll get to it later, you know, kind of thing. And I remember going to the studio, and we started to record it. And he goes, this sounds really good. I really dig this. And I, cause I, I thought for sure they're going to be like, ah, it doesn't fit. You know, what? Do, why are we going to put this little acoustic thing before the song? It doesn't really need to be there, but Dave let me do it. You know, he dug it, so I'm so glad. You know, this is one of those things when you're writing something, you go, well, they're probably not going to like it. You know, that kind of attitude that you, you just – you just try anyway and see if it works. But it makes Absolutely. <laughs> That's very cool. Well, and speaking of uh, in the studio and face melter and recording, any chance of a new YNC album anytime soon? Well, we're I'm sure there will be. Um, we have so many records, and it's so hard to do all the songs off all the records that we already have. But because, you know, YNC fans, they like all of them. <laughs> oh, of hear. course. Every, no one has the same. Whenever you ask, like, what's your favorite song, it's pretty amazing how people are all across the board, like all kinds of different songs off different albums, you know? They're, they're oh, really, yeah, same. And we get asked all the time, like, how come you don't play this song? And it's like, well, because you just, we can't play more than we play so long already. We play 22 songs a night. It's crazy. Wow. And, uh, um, you know, and then, like for a while we won't do hang em high and then now it's back in the set or you know we were playing eyes of the stranger well that's not in the set now you know i mean these other we always play mean streak of course and forever and rescue me and sure. take this and summertime girls of course but all the other songs we try to mix up and bring different ones in every year so that people don't get the same songs you know and and everyone people know we do that so now everyone requests Hey, can't you do? You guys have never done "Taste Like an Angel," and we're like, "Yeah, well, you know." Now we are, <laughs> you know, right. stuff like that. We just start bringing songs out and do them and see how they go over. But uh, it's they doing now another record, which we probably will after we're just waiting to get this documentary finished this year, which has been taking five years, you know, to get it done. Crazy documentary on Y and T. Yes, we have a full documentary coming out this year, and it's been way overdue, and people are pissed off at us because we've taken so long to get it done, but it's really not in our control. Someone else is doing it, and mm -hmm. it's taken a long time to get. It's a lot of years of information to get all figured out, you know. And is it covering the band from the beginning till a certain period? All the way up to now, yeah. Even right now. Oh, wow. Cool. I mean, all the way up through, yeah. I mean, of course, it's mainly talking about the, the original years, you know, 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. Most of it, of course, is all about the original four members and all those stories and everything that happened. Sure. So the, from then on, it's just been, you know, it's not like we're making a bunch of new records and there's not the history of the band from there. You know, they were broken up for a while, so there's not much to talk about. Right, and when we formed, there's not much to talk about, you know, except for, you know, when Phil passed away and, and then Leonard and Joey and, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah for, for Dave, that's got to be, well, and you too, you've been friends for so long. It's got to be so strange to be in a band that started out with four guys and, and now you're the only one still living. That's got to be yeah. a strange feeling. It was cool when I got in in 2003 and it was, Three, you know, Leonard, Phil, and Dave and me, I was really happy to be taking 
all of Joey's plays or staff, whatever, however you want to look at it. I mean, I was, it was very cool to be with those guys and playing right. MT at that point. Um, but then Leonard was not, he was getting sick. I mean, he had emphysema and it was, he was slowing down. Mm-hmm. And then Phil, you know, he got, then we got Mike in to replace him. And then when Phil passed away, all of a sudden gets cancer right after face melter. Right. Yeah. It's so sad, and to lose him, and then we got Brad Langan to take over for him right away, and we carried on, you know, the legacy. And what the coolest thing, it was so sad to lose Bill and Joey. I think in the same year, or at least within six months of each other, it was very close. I remember, yes, that they both had just played. We we asked them if they would come play with us at the Fillmore in San Francisco. And we got both Leonard and Joey up on stage at the same time playing with us at the Fillmore. And it was so cool. That and is. Because that's, you know, at least there's video of it and they're playing with us. And we have the poster with their name on it, you know, the Fillmore poster. And it says featuring, you know, Leonard, uh, Joey and Leonard. And then uh, they passed away. I mean, I guess Leonard you know, passed away that September. We played Fillmore like in April or May or, or around that time, and then he passed away in September. And then Joey passed away the following year in around March, I think it was. So, yeah. Yeah. That's so sad. I know. And nobody was, you know, what I consider old either. Everybody was young. Uh, Phil was like, what, 57? And yeah, the other two were maybe 62, 63 at the time of their passing. Yeah. Uh, I think Leonard, well, I, Leonard and I are the same age. I'm 62 now, so I think Leonard was probably only about 60. Got it. Okay. Yep. You know, yeah. and and but Joey was probably 62, yeah. I think yeah. he was a little older. Man, yeah, it's just so sad. But, you so, know... So where you had those two up on stage, will that footage appear in the documentary when that comes out? Uh, it could be, you know, it's not like it was professional camera work. So it was just people with their, you know, handheld cameras or oh, okay. you know, out in the audience. We did. You can't film at the film more unless you want to give them $10,000. But the iconic, you know, historical place and everybody sure. wants to record there. I mean, Tom Petty's done a live thing from there and, and you can use, you, they just, I guess they know what they have. So they, uh, Sure. <laughs> they make these artists that can afford it. Like, you know, $10,000 is nothing to Tom Petty. So he's, right. He's going to make the money. But for us, we're like, no, we're not going to, you know. It's a bit pricey. Yeah. It's <laughs> pricey. Unless you know you're going to sell a lot to, to make a live album there or a video, you know. Right. That's the deal. So we we can't have, we you know, any professional cameras in the audience. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. All right, so we don't know for sure when we'll see a new studio Y&P record with new with new music. But now let me ask you this: Last year, um, you released an acoustic uh, thing, an EP called Acoustic Acoustic Classics Volume One. And I know at the time it was said that there may be more of these coming out. Um, is that still happening? Yes, since we we decided to call it Volume One because after we 
did those six, we go, you know what, that that was kind of fun. You know, we wanted after we had finished recording it, and we said, let's call it volume one, and so that way, in case we could follow it up, it makes sense, you know, kind of play right. out. So I, we, had, that fact, I was just talking to Dave about it. I said, we should just go back in and do another, you know, pick another six songs, because we have so many great songs, and, and since that worked out kind of fun to do them that way, put a different twist on them, why not do it again? Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll probably do another one of those. Um and uh, we, there's other stuff, you know, we might put out another, you know, Life of the Mystic was so well received. And mm-hmm. so we might try to do another live record because there's so many great tracks that we didn't put on that album because we didn't plan it really. We recorded it. And at that time we were doing uh, Earthshaker anniversary, 40th, 30th anniversary of Earthshaker or whatever it was. And uh, so we were concentrating mostly on that album. And then we had some Face Melter and, you know, the songs that were in that set, the 20 songs from that album. But Summertime Girls isn't on there. Don't Stop Running's not on there. Lipstick and Leather's not on there. Hang em High's not on There's so many great songs that we didn't put on that record. So I said, we have enough to put out another live record with a lot of great classic Y&T songs. So that mm-hmm. might be something we would entertain first and just to get that out and then uh next year maybe start thinking we're always writing i mean i have a bunch of songs ideas for the next y&t record and so does dave so I mean, it won't it'll be something we'll probably do yeah that would be good because fans like me i like to have new music as often as possible you know and even <laughs> this record now this will be what nine years uh, this year since yeah. that one came out, so <laughs> I'm ready. I, I mean, I, the acoustic thing was great. It was good. It was a good fill in, and like you said, yeah, the acoustic was good too. But yeah, um, but another all new studio album, I think, would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, we can get at least one more. <laughs> yes, like I so hope many. so. <laughs> I know. Then you just have to play, you know, a four hour show or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh God. I know. I said I. I would told Dave, I said, first we have to do like, the first, yesterday and today, like, go out and just play both those first two records, you know, like somewhere, like do a little club date somewhere and just do a special show where we play all that. And then I said, and what about the Unearth series? Two double albums full of wine, there's like 70 songs, isn't there? Like 35 songs I, per I, album? I think so, yeah. I think Why? So. And People come up all the time and ask me, you know, do you never do anything off those? I go, well, geez, I mean, it's hard enough to do songs off the ones, the regular studio albums. So there's a lot of material I see put out, and it's a lot of really good stuff, you know, even on those unearthed albums. Mm-hmm. I'm looking, I've got, I'm, I was, as you said that, I was, I'm going through my CDs here. So looks like volume one, at least the version I have, is uh, 17 songs on that one. Oh, okay. Maybe it's 35 total between the two. That's what it was. Yeah. That could be. Yeah. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Because I, I knew it was like a lot, you know. In fact, that song that I wrote in for them or with them in the movie is Wild If I Wanna, and it's on the volume. That's on volume one. Yeah, I think it's the first song. Uh, let me see. Second song. Front of me. Second song. Yeah. Yeah. Shout it out and then Wild If I Wanna. Yeah. And we played that live. Well, I want to before, and it goes over pretty good, too. 
Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 There's no question. You guys have a, a ton of material, and I know it's hard to figure out what to play when you're going out live. And obviously, you guys are on the road a lot. And speaking of long shows and doing 22 songs, I know a while ago I had uh, read that Dave's. I think it was his back or something was bothering him. Are you guys doing okay on this leg of the tour right now? Everybody. Yeah. Okay? Everyone's fine. Dave just he had hurt his back just before. Well, not just before, but I mean, uh, in the summer before we left to go on our European tour and with Saxon, and we had to cancel that tour because his back just would not heal. He really tweaked it really good, and the doctor, you know, the you know, he had MRI and all that stuff done. He said, "Yeah, you're pretty messed up. <laughs> I don't think you should do it." You know, he he warned Dave not to do get on stage and play, right and. And he did play a show that we had booked in Santa Cruz in the summer. I mean, it was August, and boy, was he in pain. You know, he he barely made it through that show. And it was only an hour performance. Mm-hmm. So we had, I mean, two hours, two one-hour performances. We played one at six and one at eight. And uh, yeah, by the sure. eight o'clock one, he was, he goes, I don't even know how I'm going to go on stage. He was, he was laying on the couch back there going, but we didn't want to cancel, but he he did it. He went out there and played, and boy, was he hurt. We had to cancel the following show the next night. And then maybe he should have done. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say from there on, we canceled all the rest of the shows we had booked for the summer, which were a handful, you know. And then in California, and then we had to uh, cancel the whole European tour too. But then it was a good thing because he he got healed up and he's fine now. Good. Yeah, that's okay. most important. But I was going to say for that show, if he was in that much pain, maybe he should have done like B.B. King did in his later years and played sitting down. <laughs> well, you know, sitting down hurts even more when your back, oh, did it? back is out. Yeah, so it was. he had to either lie down or stand up. And and he made it through, but he was in pain. And, you know, just the adrenaline kept him going. But sure, oh, sure. he was almost in tears backstage. He was in such pain to get up and move and put his guitar on, and it was so sad. And, of course, Jill was, you know, his wife was freaking out, you know. Well, yeah, because you don't want to cause further damage, you know. Yeah, exactly. But he did it, and uh, he's he's doing okay now. I mean, he's he's well. Uh, His back is healed, so. And he's in good shape. Everyone's healthy out here. It's, It's going good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Okay, well, I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, I guess we can wrap things up. I know tomorrow night you're at the Newton Theater in New Jersey, Saturday night at the Chance Theater in Poughkeepsie, New York, and Sunday. Gosh, you guys have a full weekend. Sunday in uh, Derry, New Hampshire at the Tupelo Music Hall. Yeah. Um, Man, that's three nights in a row without a break. Then you finally get Monday off. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, it's more fun to play while we're out here. It's boring when you have a night off, like like now. <laughs> so well, I just I sit here talking to you. <laughs> Could be playing my guitar. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 mean, I, I say that it's it's nice to have a break after you play three shows in a row for sure. And yeah, well, I'm just thinking for his back and and his voice, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. It's it's almost when you're out on tour and you're singing a lot your voice gets stronger, you know, because you're using it all the time. It's just like working out. 
you know, going to the gym or something. So yeah, it's true. We like to keep playing. We don't like too many days off. I mean, one day's off and then play a few more and have another day off. We do three in a row, four in a row a lot of times when we're in Europe, too. Right. Bad Which you're going back to in the fall, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Is there a difference for Y&T between U.S. audiences and European audiences, or or are they the same? It's getting to be pretty much the same, you know. I mean, when we the band, what brought the band back together was the European community. Um, Spain uh, promoter called up, and that's when and said, "Hey, you guys are popular over here. You should. Um, how much would it cost to put the original Y&T back together? That's how it started. Mm-hmm. This guy Robert Mills, and from there, the word got out. The promoters heard throughout Europe and, and Sweden, where the band was real popular. We got invited to play a festival, and then we went on tour with Whitesnake and played in England when I first joined the band. Uh, Whitesnake and Gary Moore with the Monsters of Rock tour. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, from there, it just started growing. So the European community was totally on fire for Y&T, and... We had trouble. I mean, when we put out Face Melter and we tried to tour in the U.S., it was pretty dismal. You know, we didn't have much turnout. But thanks to Eddie Trunk and that metal show and DH1 uh, and him talking us up on TV and wearing our shirts, and it really really made a difference for us. People started to pay attention and promoters started to call us up. And now when we tour the U.S., it's like being in Europe. People are are really digging it. So we have good packed houses everywhere we go. And it's like, I just think people didn't, you know, people don't know. They're like, wine cheese back together. You know, that that kind of thing. Sure. I mean, some people, I remember when we first started touring the U.S., they thought we were a tribute band. They just thought it can't be the real Y&T, you know? Wow. Just, they didn't do the research, but now the word's out and they go, yeah, Dave Manichetti. And you know, at that time, Phil was still playing and, Right. Yeah. But it's all good now. Well, that's good. Well, we'll make sure. I'll, I'm, I'm always playing Y&T and telling people about Y&T, so I'll make sure people know you're still out there <laughs> as best yeah. as I can. <laughs> Thank you. As it should be. It's, you know, it's, you got to put it right in their face, you know. And a lot of people, are, we get newcomers all the time. A friend will bring a friend to the show, and they're just mouth hanging up and going, oh, my God. I didn't know you guys even existed on the planet. You know, this band's been around for 45 years. I never even heard them until now. Well, I know. I, I still meet people like that, too. I'll ask, you know, especially anytime I'm going to see Y&T, you know, people will be like, oh, going to any concerts anytime soon? You know, and every time it's a Y&T date, I'm like, well, I'm going to see Y&T. Familiar with them? Uh, and then I'll play them a couple of songs. Oh, that's really good. Uh, are there still tickets available? You know, and I'm like, yes, go, go see them. This is probably one of the most underrated bands uh, ever, I think. Yeah, us and King's X. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, another great band for sure. Yeah, I don't, I'll never understand it. I mean, man, I just never understand it. The first time I heard Y&T, I was a young lad, and, and immediately I was like, man, the musicianship on this is awesome. The songs are awesome, you know. Etc. Etc. And you know, I went on and I just kept buying every record. And and even now today, I go back. I'll go back and listen to you know Earthshaker or Mean Streak or even Contagious, which is a little bit more recent than those two. But and every time I re-listen, it's still great. Or like when the 
um, acoustic EP came out. Uh, I hadn't listened to um, Rock and Roll's Gonna Save the World for quite some time. And I listened to the acoustic version, which, by the way, was very cool. And I'm like, man, I forgot how awesome that song was, you know. And yeah. that made me go back and listen to the original version. Yeah. Just just a great band. Great, great band. Yeah, it's, it's very, you know, even though this, it's changed through the years with members slowly, you know, original members getting out of there and you guys coming in, we've kept the integrity of it, you know, especially Dave. You know, it's so strong. His voice and his guitar playing. So, you know, when we get up on stage, and I know there's someone new in the audience, I'm like, you know, I just, we, we have that confidence that they're going to walk away going, oh my God, who's this Dave Minichetti? I would <laughs> hope so. How do I not know this guy, you know? So it's well, awesome. and Yeah, yeah. Well, I know, um, gosh, I don't remember which, <laughs> what year it was. But I, all I remember is it was within probably the last 10 years or so um, when you guys did I Believe in You that night. Yeah. The crowd, I mean, he, he you guys all killed it, but his vocal, everything, I mean, it was just so unbelievably great. And the audience went nuts. I mean, that was, I thought, I think that night was the loudest response. You got a loud response, I never saw but that one even more. You, yeah. you killed everybody with that song that night. Many nights. <laughs> Many nights, that's the strongest response. And uh, we played in Nashville a couple weeks ago. And, um, oh, what's his name? He's a guitar player from uh, Skid Row. Sabo. Uh, oh, uh, Dave Sabo. Dave Sabo. Yeah. And he'd never seen us or or something. I don't know. He was in the audience. And a lot of other musicians were there, friends that I from Winger and other guys that we know. And mm-hmm. after the show, they he went on his Facebook and he wrote, he goes, oh, my God, I just saw Dave Manichetti. It's like a religious experience. This guy, God, thank God, he's the reason guitar was invented. I mean, he was just going off on mm-hmm. how great the show was and how wonderful it was to see Dave play and sing. And he goes, I can't believe I never really seen him you know all these years even though he's heard of him of course he's heard probably just never had a chance you know so that was a really nice compliment you know to have him go on and just talk up Dave and Y&T as being like hey you need to go see this you know to all his fans and and he's right on the money if you haven't seen Y&T folks you (laughs) need to go see him (laughs) All right. Well, I appreciate your time. I won't. Uh, I won't keep you. I know. Uh, probably getting a little late too. But um, yeah, I appreciate it. And um, for listeners to this podcast in the Chicago area, that date is March 16th at the Arcada Theater. Might still be a few tickets available um, for that show. So Chicago area people, go listen and check out YNT and. Um, Anywhere you are in the country, there's lots of dates coming up, so look for Y&T somewhere near you for sure. And, um, you know, thanks so much, John, for for joining me today. I appreciate it and giving us some very interesting stories on Y&T. Well, cool. Yeah. I got them. You do. (laughs) A lot more. John Nyman, Y&T historian. Right on. 
we are, just me and you Let's spend our time on something new I offer love, let's take a ride and come on over to the other side There's just tonight for us to share you